the party out of vibe. When you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans all the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. When you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans all the time, yeah. Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the after party. As I sit here recording this episode, I hold in my hand an Evolution Fresh Mighty Watermelon Drink. It's cold-pressed watermelon lemon juice. Uh, this is one of my favorite drinks. Uh, now, of course, coffee. You can't beat it. I love it. Uh, and by the way, big news around here, we got a Nespresso machine. Um, those have been around forever, uh, apparently. Uh, my mom was telling me, like, yeah, did you ever see that George Clooney ad where he's all dressed up like a Roman or something? And I was like, no. And I looked it up. And, oh, yeah, these have been around forever, Nespresso. But my wife and I got one, I don't know, like last week. And I got to tell you, I was not a huge fan of hot coffee before. You guys know I like nitro. I like cold brew. But the texture coming out of this Nespresso machine, this is not a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> I'm just ranting about something. It's so good. It's like, it's just, it's, it's good. But anyways, uh, this Evolution Fresh, I drink this a lot. If you guys were ever like, what else does he drink? Uh yeah, Evolution Fresh Mighty Watermelon, cold-pressed watermelon drink. It's really, really good. Um, get this every time I go to the grocery store. There's a lot to talk about this week. Um, definitely going to start with some Chris and Daily Tech stuff before we get into the Apple and Tech stuff because um, there's some big news here. I am going to be moving sometime in the next 30 to 45 days, and the thing about that is I don't really know where I'm going to be filming and editing, and my setup's going to be in disarray, and it's just going to be kind of crazy. Moving's not fun. Everybody knows that, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out, like, what are the bare essentials that I need uh, before, you know, I pack everything up and stick it in the pods, and, you know, what do I need to pack, and what can I get rid of, you know, basic moving stuff. I think I'm going to look at this as kind of an opportunity, hopefully, because, you know, you guys see me with my desk set up in the video, which I recently cleaned up, and it's been fairly clean still. And it's like, I love the desk setup, and that's what I'm going to get back to, you know, after the move. Um, but in the meantime, you know, what kind of content can I make around this? There's there's always clever content ideas to come up with, you know? It doesn't have to be just a status quo. And maybe I can talk about and document some of, like, what am I doing without my desk, full desk setup? And, you know, what what, what ways am I really leaning on the iPad Pro now? Um, and my other mobile devices. Maybe I'm going to do a lot more shooting with iPhones, you know, for a few weeks or something. I don't really know. I, I really don't know how this is going to turn out, um, and how it's going to affect the content. Because, uh, you know, the content is still going to be me, and, and you know, I'll still be there, but I just don't know, you know, the studio. I'm not going to have the studio at my disposal and my desk set up. And um, so, I don't know. It's just going to be kind of experimental. And at, at the one hand, moving, it's kind of sad. You're leaving something behind. Um, and the familiar stuff, and you're kind of doing something different. And on the other hand, it's kind of an adventure because you get to explore a new area, and and you know it can be cool. So overall, I I'm feeling really excited. You know, um, there's bad, there's there's nothing to be sad about, but but overall, we're moving in a good direction. This is going to be a good move for Daily Tech for the channel. Uh, overall, you know, um, just for me, you know, and the family, and so it's exciting. But it's just going to be stressful for a little bit. And I just wanted to give you guys a heads up here on the podcast. This is kind of a little hangout, you know. 
It's like the group of friends within the bigger group. You know, everyone watches the YouTube channel, but not everybody yet is a podcast listener. So, you know, it's just I'm just letting you guys know here, the podcast listeners, it's going to be a little bit weird for a while soon. Not right away, but it's coming up. (laughs) So when you see some weird video and it's like, that's not the usual background or what's Chris doing and why is it the quality a little bit different or something, whatever it ends up being, then you guys will know. It's because, oh, okay, Chris is moving. Cut him a little slack. So one thing I just want to talk about this week was uh, I got a couple of sample uh, products that arrived here the other day and they were in red boxes. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't, but it was uh, a package from OnePlus and they sent over the OnePlus 8 and the OnePlus 8 Pro and I'm going to do something heretical on this podcast, and let's talk a little bit about an Android phone for a minute. <laughs> so uh, I haven't played around with these too much, but I've mostly been messing around with the 8 Pro. And for one thing, uh, what's striking right off the bat is just the color scheme. It's so different than what I'm used to when it comes to iPhones. Uh, it's kind of I got the green one. I don't know exactly. It's kind of like an aqua green. I've seen a couple other reviewers with the same model. I didn't get the cool cosmic space-looking background. Um, uh, or whatever back of the phone, but still it's, it's nice. It's cool. And you know, like I like the iPhone. I like the colors. I'm thinking about making a video about a few things that I do like from this phone, because there are several actually, um, that I kind of would love to see on the iPhone side of things. Another thing is, I don't know if you guys have been following this. Maybe you haven't. I don't really know who listens to this. Is it like tech enthusiasts? Is it Apple people only? I don't know. But the OnePlus 8 Pro, it comes with, uh, well, it's not, it doesn't come with it, but you can get it as an accessory, um, a really fast wireless charger. So it's like fast charging, but wireless. As you know, with iPhones, you can charge wirelessly, but it's going to be slower than if you plug it in. And there's not all chargers are the same. You know, you can have a slower, you know, cord that's going to charge and brick, or you can have something this faster. Well, this is a fast charging wireless charger, I guess, accessory uh, made by OnePlus. And that is just really cool. I mean, to top up your device in like 30 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it is, that's really cool. I really wish that that would come to the iPhone because I've got wireless chargers sitting around all over the place. And <laughs> my wife's listening to this and she's nodding her head. They're in my office. They're by my bed. Uh, in fact, if she would let me, I'd probably put them all over the place downstairs too. But it's just convenient to wherever you are to be able to put that down and charge. It's just slow. So usually it works really good to charge overnight. That's for sure. But to be able to just do it, you know, I'd love to have this on my desk for my iPhone, for instance. But it's not just something you can use with anything because there's a special chip inside, I think inside the charger and inside the OnePlus, that um, allows for that fast charging without overheating. And as you guys probably know, um, some kind of successor to AirPower, Apple's uh, charging mat, is supposedly back in development, even though it was, you know, supposedly canceled recently. But I don't know if Apple's working on something, if it works the same way with kind of a chip to regulate the heat, I have no idea. Uh, One thing I really like about the OnePlus 8, and I've liked this about their phones for a long time, is that it's a big phone, but it doesn't feel big. Like when you have it in your hand, it's actually pretty slim. It's, It's taller than it is wide, and yet you still end up with a pretty large display. If you guys follow me on Twitter, one thing that I pointed out recently was like, (laughs) <laughs> this the front of this phone anyways really looks a lot like a galaxy with kind of the curved glass on the sides uh, sort of that galaxy look um and there's another phone out i forget who it was that looks exactly the same now that and people were pointing out they look different on the back the camera arrays for sure but on the android side of things a lot of things are just gravitating towards that galaxy look now it's just funny because 
the iPhone used to be so iconic, even among Android phones, that a lot of them were kind of copying that design, but not so much anymore. And I feel like there's really a shift going on with on the Android side of things. And we're going to have that same old debate where people are like, oh, the, the iPhone is just so boring these days. And yet they keep selling in droves, you know. It's because the core experience is so solid and it really has nothing to do with, you know, the shape of, of things as much, you know. Oh, let me talk a little bit about the Magic Keyboard that came for the iPad Pro. So I already did the review. I got that up. You can check it out. Maybe you've already seen it, actually. But I just figured I'd give a little bit extra context here on the podcast. So it turns out, and I was surprised myself, that this keyboard isn't the perfect keyboard for everybody. And the main reason is because it really it moves the iPad in a direction of a laptop. And that's great for a lot of people. And then it kind of leaves out the people who are doing more creative things with their tablet, using it more like just a traditional tablet, whether you're watching something or you're drawing, anything like that. This goes in the opposite direction. And actually, I really like it. And I think I'll probably continue to use it because I probably use my iPad the most as a laptop, to be honest. And then I use the Apple Pencil for things like signing documents um, and doing the occasional sketch and stuff. But by far, though, you know, 75 or 80% of what I do tends to be more the productivity laptop-y type of stuff. Yeah, see, a lot of people, um, they've been getting in touch and they've been saying that they, they're not going to buy it because of my review, because they do use it more for tablet-style stuff. And I'm not surprised. I, I but What I am surprised about now that I've used it is that when I looked at the pictures and just going off of the previous keyboard for iPad Pro, I just assumed that it was going to fold down on top of itself, give you a nice flat surface, and that you wouldn't have to remove it to actually write on it or use the Apple Pencil. And so what it basically amounts to is a really nice keyboard stand. And I think people are starting to come to grips with that this week. And I, it's funny because I get a lot of comments and people are just complaining, complaining, oh, for the price, it doesn't have this and that and this, and, and, and the keyboard is subpar. <laughs> people just don't know what they're talking about. The keyboard is not subpar. The keyboard is amazing. It's the best typing experience that you can get on an iPad Pro. That's for sure. I really love the keys. They're slightly different than um, the Magic Keyboard on the 16-inch MacBook Pro, uh, but they're great. They're my favorite way to type. Um, that's for sure. Now, are they missing a few things here and there? Uh, yes, no escape key. And everyone commented this week. They were like, well, don't you know you can remap uh, the caps lock key or the globe key? And stuff? Yeah, I, but I, I thought it was apparent in my review, though, that I was just going to use command period as my escape key because that's the age-old Apple shortcut for escape. And it, it should basically work anywhere escape work instead of remapping. The remapping thing, I, I like my keys as they are. I don't want to have to remap them. So, oh, let me address the weight. The weight, it is heavy. And here's something interesting, too. Um, you're just never going to find a keyboard that's perfect in every single way. It's just going to be the best option for you because the uh, this one is heavy. And it's not really going to bother me because in laptop mode, I mostly have it parked at my desk most of the time anyways. And right now, it's not like many people are going out and doing anything anyways. <laughs> but the uh, the other thing that showed up recently was the Logitech Combo Touch, I think is what it's called. And it's Logitech's trackpad keyboard that was developed in some kind of partnership with Apple for other iPads. So not just the Pros. And um, I've just barely been able to spend some time with that already. I got it kind of set up with my... With, by the way, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast recently, with the base model entry iPad, not the Pro. And so that'll be interesting to test, you know, what can I do with that setup? You know, is there anything that it can't do that the Pro can really do in terms of tasks? 
already though i can tell you it's a little bit different you know um it's the keys aren't quite as nice to push the keys are nice though not quite as nice as magic keyboard um the trackpad though on this logitech that is not as good by as the magic keyboard it's okay though but what's not as good about it is that you can't press it anywhere for instance the whole thing on that magic keyboard it it's all clickable even in the top right and left corners but on the logitech you can click in the middle and you can click on the bottom but not up in the top and that's kind of something that you've come to expect maybe from a lot of different windows machines um and then the other thing and, and i'm circling back around to this because i was mentioning the bulk and the weight of the magic keyboard well this one it's not heavy but it's bulky really bulky the back cover is just really big surprisingly big and then when you add the other cover it's just it's really bulky now I don't think it's really going to bother me. And I'm going to talk more about this in the review because uh, I think this is going to be pretty popular among students in particular. There's a place to hold your first gen Apple Pencil. Uh, but when it's set up, though, you don't really notice how bulky it is. You really only notice when when you have it all bundled up and wrapped up and you're going to put it in your bag or take it out of your bag. That's when you notice. But when you're using it, it doesn't feel bulky or seem bulky at all. You don't even care. You won't care. So I have been loving the Magic Keyboard, and for the moment, I'm going to continue using it. And I'm going to make a video about this soon, um, about how I use the iPad Pro and my MacBook Pro at the same time at my desk, kind of the hybrid setup that I have going on. And what I'm doing right now is I'm using the iPad Pro on the Magic Keyboard, and I'm using that keyboard as my main keyboard for the iPad Pro and for my Mac. Now, what's weird about that, and of course, that's using a sidecar. There's one bug, and I actually got to talk to somebody at Apple about it this week in the correct apartment. Uh, so I got it reported. I don't know when it's going to get fixed, though. But there was a bug in Final Cut when I was using Sidecar and using an uh, iPad keyboard where if I hit Command minus to zoom out of my timeline in Final Cut, and I'm sure there's other bugs somewhere out there in other programs, too, it would just close Sidecar, and that was it. And so I did that so many times. I closed it, closed it, closed it, and it was really frustrating and annoying, uh, but hopefully it gets fixed. But that aside, if I can remember to use the on-screen controls to shrink or expand my timeline, then everything else works perfectly. So I, it's really actually reduced the clutter on my desk in terms of I don't have to have a separate stand for my iPad or, you know, and I got my Mac still tucked away in the, in the corner in the back. But yeah, I'm just loving it though. So I've talked about Apple Arcade a little bit on here before. It's been several episodes because by the way, we're already 20 plus episodes in, which I can't believe, which means 20 weeks. And we just passed 50,000 total downloads of the podcast, which I'm pretty happy with. That That's not bad at all. It feels a lot like when we started the YouTube channel, actually, because it was just kind of, you know, slow traction. I don't know. You're probably sick of me saying this, but it took six months to get our first thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel. And actually, this has been going faster than that. Uh, but it's it's a time commitment. You know, we I know it's going to be years you know before it gets to the place where it's super popular by the way though in some countries maybe even in the u.s i gotta check the charts again but it was already ranking the the, the after party here like 13th on the apple category but needless to say though i've definitely talked about apple arcade before but i haven't been a subscriber for a while but when the iphone se arrived there were some specific games that were recommended to me to test to really see how the screen performed how the processor performed and some of those were in Apple Arcade. So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to give it another try. It's been a while. I know there's been some new additions. And so the other night, I did uh, download uh, four or five games. And I thought I'd just talk a little bit about I talked about this on Twitter, too. So sorry for the repetition if you're a Twitter follower. 
And actually, here was my original tweet. I said, I'm giving Apple Arcade another go. I'm going to try out Crossy Castle, Beyond Blue, Butter Royale, Dear Reader. And I said, do you guys have any other recommendations? Because it's been a few months since I tried it out. And actually, I got to say thank you to everybody who has been making recommendations. uh, Because that's cool. Because there's over 100 games in there. And, you know, even if you download a bunch, you're not going to be able to try them all out. So that's one of the things I love about this community is just... It's just everybody has such great recommendations. I was really surprised, though. One game in particular was getting recommended over and over and over again, and that was Grindstone. I haven't I haven't downloaded it yet because I'm not sure if I will. I'm not really into Candy Crush and those kind of games. I know a lot of people really love those, but just based on the pictures in the preview video, I wasn't sure if I would like it. Maybe because so many people have recommended it, I should check it out. But Crossy Castle, I also... When I heard about it before I had re-signed up for Apple Arcade, I was like, I don't know. That doesn't really look too interesting because it was like a side-scrolling platformer or something. And, and you know, I don't know. But I got it because I kind of like the original Crossy Road. I like the graphics, and it was just kind of interesting. This actually turned out to be one of my favorite games from Apple Arcade ever, and even including the ones that I tried out the first time that I signed up. And it really has Mario kind of vibes, but with the Crossy Road feel to it. So I thought it would be boring, and I guess this just goes to prove you don't have to have insanely great graphics. It's not like the graphics aren't bad. They're just, it's just 2D, you know? Like, when I think of a, a really top-notch game, I think of something that's really immersive, and, you know, there's a whole big world to explore, and this just seemed like it was uh, a child's game or something, you know? But no, no, I understand. It's Apple Arcade it's this is its own thing and it and there's a wide variety of games that we're going to get to but it's its own thing and i get it yeah and it doesn't have to be cutting edge graphics to be fun and some games are just kind of a time waster and some games are meant for like hours and hours and hours of immersion but this is a lot of fun um it it is sort of mario-ish but you get different characters and you get the coins and then after every 10 levels you know if you lose a, a heart because you did something wrong you jumped on the spikes or something fell into the pit then every 10 levels you can buy another heart and and just keep going it it is fun i was playing it on my ipad pro which probably wasn't the best device for it because it was so unwieldy the 12.9 inch Um, but it'd be fun on the phone it'd be fun on like the ipad mini for sure so crossy castle so far that gets my vote of approval i've actually been having some fun with that beyond blue now that's a different thing um this one's interesting you are a diver you're swimming around underwater swim with the whales uh, swim with the rays, swim with the dolphins. It's kind of fun. There's a whole story where you gotta like scan a fish and stuff, and that part I could do without. Honestly, I wish they would just give me a big open underwater world and swim around, explore stuff, check it out. But that's kind of fun. It's a different take on a game, and I kind of liked it actually. Butter Royale. Uh, it's a clever name, clever graphics, top down kind of a uh, PvP, almost like a food based Fortnite kind of, but but from top down instead. And it's a great concept, and I, I thought maybe I would really like that. And I got in there, it just felt like a child's game. kind of. It wasn't adult enough for me. Um, it was too kitty. And so, yeah, you're shooting people with ketchup and stuff and gumballs, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll ever get in there again. I wanted to like it, but it was, I don't know, kind of boring. Um, everyone kept recommending Sneaky Sasquatch, <laughs> and I downloaded that once before, and I never had enough time to really get into it before I canceled again, and I really liked it, and I think I need to get back into it and check it out because you can not just sneak around and steal people's food at the picnic, but you can drive all over town and stuff. 
I don't know. That looks a little bit fun. So I need to probably check that out too. But Apple Arcade, I gave it another go and we'll see if I end up canceling it or not this time. Um, but I've at least found a few things that I could spend some time with to relax. A lot of people have been recommending Spider, which is you're like a little mechanical spy spider or something. It looked cool. It's a cool concept. I like the artwork. It's just, I really like our multiplayer games where it's like skill versus skill and you're not just completing a mission. D- different types of games, different types of gamers. I just like to compete against people, really. That's that's the foundation of what makes a game amazing for me. So yeah, that's kind of like why I really like Fortnite or Halo back in the day. Uh, I guess this can be a kind of a transition from Chris World into the Apple news, but um, it came out this week that due to a recent update, a lot of 16-inch MacBook Pros have been restarting when they're in sleep mode. Now, if you guys remember, when I got the 16-inch MacBook Pro, I was having some major restart and shutdown issues. It was like kernel panics, and it was driving me nuts, and I made a video about it as my MacBook uh, a lemon, and uh, that caused kind of a stir. And anyways, I got it fixed. I sent it back. I got a, a brand new one, and it's been working great until like last week. And all of a sudden, I would come in and try, you know, ready to get to work, and my computer was all shut off. And it was like, oh, no, it's starting again. And I tweeted about it. This is what I'm saying. I love Twitter. I love this community. And someone tipped me off to this new article. I think it was over at iMore talking about, oh, well, you need to turn off PowerNap and it should fix the issue. And lo and behold, it did fix the issue for me. So if you had this issue on your 16-inch MacBook Pro, then you should turn off PowerNap for now, which is too bad. You know, you don't want to have to disable a feature that maybe you like or use um, because, you know, it should just work, right? That's the whole Apple thing. But the good news, I'm just glad that it's working again. I was like, ah, I can't mess around with sending it back again. Here's kind of some interesting news. It says that more and more people are keeping their iPhones for three or more years. Now, I've talked about my wife's phone. She has the iPhone SE, which is interesting because I'm reviewing the iPhone SE right now. In fact, the video shot, I'm just editing it. I would have liked to have gotten it done today. Maybe it'll hit on Sunday. But she has been holding on to that iPhone SE for dear life. She does not want to get rid of it. It's got a little bit of crack on the screen and like the front panel's pulling out a little bit. And she's got a case on there. And she's like, nope, as long as it works, I'm going to hang on to it, keep it. <laughs> and so basically, I need to run it over with something heavy or something and just kind of put it out of its misery to get it upgrade. Me being the tech dude, it's just like I can't even hardly stand having something so old in the house. And I know it's not that old, and I apologize if I'm sounding obnoxious, but but she does. She's not like me. She she likes to hold on to it forever um, and use the old stuff. And I'm trying to convince her to get the new iPhone SE, which is not that much bigger of a footprint than the original SE. When you hold them up together, when you stack one on top of the other and center them, it's just like there's a little outline uh, of the new iPhone SE compared to the old one. It's not that much bigger. Now, when you set them both down on the table, and all you know, then. Uh, when you sit them flat, both of the bottoms on the table, and look at it straight, well, then it looks like it's a lot bigger, uh, you know, significantly bigger, but it's really not. When you hold it in your hand, it's really not. I think people who are fans of small phones are still really going to like the new SE. But it's just interesting because I'm just saying she likes hanging on to it, and there are lots of other people out there, apparently, that like to hang on to their phones for as long as possible. And only in Apple world can you really do that with any kind of uh, security and, uh, you know, assurance because Apple's going to be there with uh, iPhone updates for years and years versus which is pretty standard in Android world is often just two years worth of updates. 
So here's what this article is saying. It says, the good news for Apple is that most iPhone owners still upgrade every one to two years. That's me for sure, because every year. But the proportion of those who do so less frequently has increased every year since 2016. And here's what the actual report says. It says, we see clearly how iPhone owners now keep their phones for an increasingly long time. In the most recent quarter, 28% of buyers kept their old phone for three years or more compared with only 12% four years ago. I mean, if that number increased more at that same rate, I mean, nobody would be buying a new iPhone every two years or even every one year like I do. And I get it. I just, I have to cut through my own distortion field every now and then and be like, okay, if I wasn't a tech reviewer, like I wasn't at some point, then would I still want to get a new phone every year? And to be honest, I think the answer would probably be yeah, <laughs> because I just am a tech enthusiast. But I totally understand that some people, it just doesn't matter to them. And look, just I, I kind of mentioned this in the iPhone SE review. It's like the stuff that you get in the iPhone SE, the core experience, it's, it's, it's the necessary stuff to have a good phone experience, good iPhone experience. It's like the stuff that you get uh, on an iPhone 11 on the flagship that's like nice to have stuff. It's not the stuff that you have to have. And I kind of compared it in my review to like driving a luxury car versus just driving like a standard car. Like they both get you from A to Z. It's just that the drive's a little bit nicer in one. You got a quieter cabin, you know, some more road noise dampening happening or leather seats or heated seats, you know, like it's nicer, but it's not necessary for it to be a good car. That's like what the iPhone SE is kind of like. And even if you had the iPhone SE, the iPhone SE for $400, well, hopefully you would upgrade to the 128 and not just go to the 64, so a little more than 400. But but that begin, you know, that entry level phone, you could keep that for a long time and I could understand that mentality of like I don't need all the bells and whistles cuz honestly, I could do my job right now if I didn't have any cameras. I could do my job with that iPhone SE, the camera on that thing. It takes such good video. Um, the photos are great too. And it's like you can zoom or yeah, I guess with the ultra wide, you can't step back in certain situations. Like if you're up against the wall, then the ultra wide, ultra, ultra wide really does come in handy on the iPhone 11. But you can also, you could add like a moment lens. Uh, they have that fisheye lens, which I want. I need to order that. Uh, I use the moment 2X zoom lens that adds 2X zoom. And I also use the ultra wide and I also have the macro, but I never, ever use the macro. And I actually use those lenses like when I film some videos lately, especially if I'm doing like multiple camera angles. I'll set up the iPhone, I'll set up my main camera and, and switch back and forth and it's worked out really good. But totally, I understand the mentality of not having to upgrade every year, not wanting to upgrade, not needing to because in part the iPhones are so good for so long because of the updates. So this makes sense. Now, what's interesting is this same report had this to say, iPhone 11 is the dominant model in the lineup. Not surprisingly, it took the place of last year's iPhone XR as the most popular phone. The more expensive iPhone 11 Pro and 11 Pro Max together improved share. Now this, this, let me pause. Here's the thing. I got, I have two phones that I upgrade through T-Mobile every year uh, to just try out all the different variety of iPhones for review purposes and whatnot. And then sometimes I get a sample sent too. But uh, I got the iPhone 11 to be the people's iPhone. Uh, right to use it every day and report back what it was like and instead of the pro and then i got the pro 2 to be like my work phone which meant i used it less the 11 was always with me and i had the pro for like video shoots and photos and and business stuff and then i switched them after a while because like no I, I i do want the pro but that was only a couple weeks ago 
But I could swear I read another article that was telling me, this article is telling me the opposite, that the iPhone 11 Pro was the most popular model. What? Well, who's who's telling me the truth here? Because I thought it was going to be the 11 that was the most popular, and that's why I went with that. You know, I will say this. it's It would be hard for me to go back to the 11 from the 11 Pro, now that I've been using it, because I just like the size. I, I like my phones to be as powerful as possible and as compact as possible because it's my mobile thing. And I, I understand that, you know, a lot of people, they just want the biggest, best thing. For me, I'll take my tablets, enormous, give me the 12.9 inch. And to be honest, I would love like a 29 inch iPad, right? For my desk, <laughs> but as powerful as possible, as big as possible, but on the tablet side, but my phone, I want that to be pretty small, compact. And then from there, as powerful as possible. Now, the thing is, there's a reason why phones are getting bigger because people said, a, a lot of people, they're like, I want a smaller phone. But yeah, when it's smaller, and I, I'm there, I like a smaller phone myself. When it's smaller, then the battery life suffers. And that's something that you don't want to suffer. And then the camera is going to suffer too. When you have less physical space for those two things, then it does degrade the overall experience. So I really think those are the driving factors for why we don't really have a smaller iPhone even than what we got with the SE. Okay, look, we got some rumors swirling around for real now. It sounds like that Final Cut and Logic and maybe some other Pro apps might be headed towards the iPad Pro or iPad or iPad Pro. You see, you need a lot of resources if you're gonna run something like Final Cut Pro, right? And be editing maybe 4K, maybe 8K footage. Uh, takes a lot of processing power. The guts really have to be upgraded for the machine. There's a reason why the Mac Pro exists right now. So uh, it was reported by Prosser, Mr. John Prosser, that uh, maybe Xcode was on the way to the iPad, which is, of course, kind of a gateway to bring other uh, more pro apps from Apple to the iPad. I've been waiting just for years uh, for Final Cut to hit on the iPad, and I've used the Mac version via Sidecar on my iPad Pro, and it's a good experience. It's good enough. I'll take it. I'm not going to get into the Luma Fusion thing right now. Man, okay, I am. I said in one of my recent videos, uh, which one was it? I think it was the iPad apps video that I did recently, that, you know, Luma Fusion, because of its limitations, no basic stabilization, and it is missing uh, more advanced things that I use all the time, like optical flow, there's no plugins, et cetera, et cetera, that it was basically no better than iMovie on the iPad for me. Man, people got upset about that. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> but seriously, it's missing basic stabilization. I need that. I shoot handheld a lot. What's interesting to me about this is that somebody from Apple, um, who is kind of uh, in the realm of these apps reached out and and we had a chat this week and i was like you know what i'll just say it i wish that i could have these <laughs> uh final cut pro these pro apps on my ipad and i got a big laugh but no information but when these kinds of rumors start swirling then there's usually something behind them even if it doesn't end up being what it, exactly what the rumor said it was going to be there's usually a reason why that rumor starts up. You know where there's smoke, there, there's fire. We've heard that a lot. Apple does a really good job of now, these days, talking to professional people in a variety of different work spaces and environments and jobs 
and saying, what do you need our machines to do? How do you use your machines? We really want to understand your process and workflows and needs and wants. And then trying to make sure that the products deliver. They're really good about that. And I've been out there saying for years now, get, please give me Final Cut Pro on the iPad Pro. Other people are now they're saying it. It's something that people want. And so that it just seems like it just might be doable. I don't know if we're talking about WWDC this year. And here's the thing. I, I think I said this. I don't want it to be like Photoshop where it's just like a little like 10% of the real Mac version. I don't want that. But then I, I saw other people were like, well, I don't know how it couldn't be that. You know, you, you're limited by the RAM that you have on the iPad Pro, for instance. So I don't know. But I think there's hope. Oh, you know, I should mention um, when we're talking about the uh, Magic Keyboard a little bit earlier, it's actually covered under Apple Care Plus. I just like a PSA. I just wanted to say if you buy it, then it's covered under your iPad Pro's uh, Apple Care Plus. That's pretty cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the A13 chip that's in the iPhone SE. What's interesting about it is that it's faster than a lot of the most expensive Android phones out there. And that's no joke. Now, that makes sense because it's the same chip that's in the iPhone 11 and the, the 11 Pro, right? It's just like one of the fastest, if not the fastest chip out there right now. So the fact that they stuck that in a budget phone, though, that's pretty crazy. $400 and it's beating some of the flagship Apple, uh, Android phones. In fact, I should just say, um, I feel like I'm talking really fast today and I haven't even had any caffeine. I haven't had my usual coffee at the moment, which is weird. But I mentioned this in my iPhone SE video, which isn't out yet, so I guess you haven't heard it yet. But there's, uh, in the benchmarks, the A13 chip on the iPhone SE, it actually beat out in a single core thread test in, in Geekbench. It actually beat out a MacBook Pro, just barely. Um, and I forget the exact model, but but it's a fast chip. So yeah, of course it's going to be beating out some Android phones. So really what you're talking about when you're talking about well, what, what is the A13 going up against on the Android side? Well, probably Qualcomm Snapdragon 865. So when you see the marketing for an Android device right now that's running this chip, what you'll see them really focusing on is not the speed necessarily, but the 5G. Isn't that interesting? Well, there's a reason why, because that's like the one place where it's faster right now. And, you know, the funny thing is Apple waited a little bit on 5G. It's going to be coming, but they waited and a bunch of other phones came out first that had 5G. But Apple's not always about being first. It's about trying to be best. And this is not the best time in the world to be saying, yeah, but our 5G, because hardly anybody can have 5G right now. Like even if you have the 5G phone, you very likely don't have the 5G coverage in your area unless you just happen to live in very specific areas in a few big cities. So, you know, the iPhone SE, it's a really speedy um, thing. I think really where you're gonna notice this chip in the iPhone SE the most probably is just gonna be in portrait mode photography because you have the single lens now able to do portrait mode on both the front and rear cameras on the iPhone SE, which is cool now. And you're, it's a different mode. I, I asked Apple about this uh, in the press briefing. I said, the I took the same similar picture with the iPhone 11 Pro and the iPhone SE, and I noticed they were very similar, very similar. Both looked really good, but the background blur, when I zoomed in, looked a little different, and I would say a little bit nicer on the iPhone 11 Pro than it did on the iPhone SE. Now, it wasn't like a big deal, and I doubt most people would even notice if they weren't really pixel peeping like I was. But I asked Apple, and they're like, well, yeah, it's just arriving at this, you know, this effect differently 
um, on with with the iPhone SE because it's really more dependent on machine learning, and the, it's just they're doing a really a good job and a lot in the photography department with this chip in the iPhone SE. But that's probably where you're going to really notice it the most, rather than necessarily it just everything on iOS on any of the modern phones. It just runs fast, anyways. You know, you can multitask. Things uh, launch fast. It's just you're not really going to be like, oh, yes, the A13, so I can multitask and launch faster. No, but you will notice it when it comes to the camera. We've been talking a lot about iPhones in this episode because it's kind of an iPhone time, an iPhone release week. Um, So I just thought we should talk a little bit about iPhones and batteries. Specifically, if you have an older phone or even if you don't and you're just like, how do I optimize and maximize my iPhone battery? Let's go over a few things. Because, of course, batteries just degrade over time. That's just what happens. So if you're not sure how to check your iPhone's battery usage, what you got to do is go into settings, tap on battery, and then tap on battery usage. Or when you're in settings, you could swipe down and then get a search field in this search for it. I search for stuff all the time because I'm not sure what menu or submenu it's actually located in. But go to settings, battery, battery usage, and then just tap on show activity. And then you'll be able to see uh, like the last 10 days to get a broader look at your power consumption over time. So here I see, uh, let's do 10 days. Um, my last charge level was 100%. My average screen on time was four hours and 38 minutes. Average screen off time was one hour and 11 minutes. And then battery usage by app. This is interesting. Top app, Filmic Pro, which is a filming app that I use to get the best quality footage I can out of my iPhones. That was 12%. Um, Twitter, 7%. Badland Brawl, 6%. <laughs> That's one of my favorite games. Mentioned that several times. And just in case you didn't catch it, Badland Brawl, very fun. Then Clips, uh, Clips. Here's the thing. The, the reason this is in here, it's not because I've been using it like crazy. It's because on the last episode of the podcast, I tried to do a multi-cam setup using Clips, using Animojis and Memojis with a filter on it, the comic book filter. And I was like, I'm going to do something totally different that nobody's done. And that was going to be to have a multi-cam podcast with an emoji, the Memoji, the Chris face Memoji. And I couldn't get the file, the huge file off of any of the phones that I shot with because it's not a pro app. So I can't go in and just locate it under files if I connect it to my Mac. And it was too big, too, too crazy to airdrop in any reasonable amount of time from my phone to my Mac. So if you guys have a good way to get a huge clips file from Apple Clips off the phone and onto the Mac, let me know because I could not figure it out. But that's why Clips is on here uh, in one, two, three, fourth place, then phone, then Safari, then Instagram, then Zillow. You guys know why then photos then overcast, then Siri, then reader R E E D R. So anyways, um, you can come in and you can, you can really see that. And then you can check battery health while you're in here. And so right now my max capacity is 95%. And so this says, this is a measure of battery capacity relative to when it was new. So I'm already on my iPhone 11 pro at 95%. That's interesting. Lost 5%. And under this area i do have optimized battery charging enabled i don't know if you know about that but it says to reduce battery aging iphone learns from your daily charging routine so you can wait to finish charging past 80 percent until you need to use it now the reason you might want to do this is not that i recommend having facebook installed but if you're addicted and you have it on there or something uh then you could say hey well it says four percent of on screen and 40% on background of for this app when it's, and you know, that's not right. You don't want it using up a ton of your power in the background and you know, Facebook's nefarious and doing stuff. 
I talked about, I don't even remember what it was, something with my wife the other day, and there in Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, was an ad for that thing. I'm sick of that. I don't have Facebook installed, by the way. Never liked Facebook, but I do have Instagram. But that's a, a little bit of an example of how you could use this uh, setting to you know check out how your battery's doing and what's eating it up. And this is the first step to like debugging what's going on with why your battery's draining so fast, seeing what's using it up, and maybe in particular in the background. Now, obviously, you can uh, get that alert, which you are going to get when you hit 20%. It's like, do you want to put your phone into low power mode? Um, which tweaks some knobs and levers in the background to help you maximize your power usage and, and your remaining battery. But you can turn that on anytime you want. You don't have to wait till 20%. If you know it's going to be a busy, crazy day, you can uh, turn that on with Siri. You can just say, you know what, and activate it. Or you can uh, set it up so that you can access that um, in control panel as well. So yeah, other than that, I mean, the, that's the basic knowledge and understanding of, of how to watch your battery life. Other than that, you're just going to have to grab a battery case, you know. Here's the last topic I want to hit today. It has to do with leaks, and it has to do with surprises. And it just, uh, my question for you guys is, do too many leaks ruin the surprise for you when it comes to product announcements? And for me, the answer is kind of. Kind of. I would rather have no leaks, to be honest. And that's coming from a tech reviewer. This is never going to happen, but that's what I would prefer because I just want to be wowed when it comes time for the announcement and not really know the shape of something and and what secret features aren't, you know, aren't going to be secret now from the stage. And that's one way that it absolutely ruins it. That's the expected way. But the other way is just from an angle of disappointment because there's so many rumors like and, and patents too. Apple patents a lot of stuff. And then you have a lot of co people covering that. And it's like the patent, and I've, I've talked about a few exciting patents here on this show and elsewhere, but the patent may never turn into reality. You know, that'd be, it's like, that could be really cool, but maybe that patent never actually sees the light of day. And so rumors, patent coverage, um, yeah, I could do without it, to be honest. I know some people love it. They thrive on it, and they go so far as to make renders about stuff, and here's what it could look like, and... And, you know, I don't know. It's just, I would, I, I personally, I'm not trying to like diss anybody. That was not my intention or put anybody down. I just would personally rather be surprised is all and not be thinking about it and dreaming about it in every little specific detail. Like when Apple came out with this magic keyboard, that was a fun surprise and I, no one had been reporting on it. And, and that's part of why it was so much more exciting, I think, for everybody than the actual iPad update itself this year because it was new, it was fresh, it was exciting. I I like the surprise aspect, and I would like to keep it that way. All right, I guess I'm just going to wrap it up here for now. Uh, hopefully this was useful or entertaining or some combination of both, but thanks for hanging out. Really appreciate you guys um, wherever you interact and engage, and I hope you have a great upcoming week, and I can't wait to see you on the YouTube channel and for the next podcast. Uh, so I'll catch you guys in the next whatever it happens to be. Later. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we get lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we get lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.
Since all 12 are giving you the heat No reviews from Chris, you gotta see Daily tech, got the facts that you need And it's the whole crew you gotta meet After party, it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality, you should take it from me Cause we care about the customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the mountains Wanna cop something, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it Welcome to the other party, I did When you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine Talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, got that vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.